Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. This is episode number 40. Here we are, 40 podcasts in. We finally made it, and this is going to be a verse-by-verse edition with Rick Maynard as well. We are at the 2000 all-time play mark. Thank you so much. I can remember back in the day, you know, when I was wishing for 100 plays and then 200 plays, and, and I still even remember, Rick, when I wanted to get to that 500 play mark, that was my dream. And now look where you are. <laughs> oh, man, life is so good. Hey, we are so grateful. We're going to dive in right away. We just want to say we're back. We had some project stuff going on at the church, and it's amazing how uh, I'm a single-track-minded person, and so I got so wrapped up into it. But anyway, you come to Grace Point if you go to church and attend with us, and you can see some of the beautiful things that we've done at the church. Right, Rick? Everything looks really good. <laughs> All right, let's dive in, Rick. Where are we at today? Second Samuel chapter 24. Second Samuel 24. And I'm not sure if we read any of this last week, but if we did, uh, we'll just bear with it and we'll read through it again. But I, I think this is where we were. Uh, this talks about, verse 1 says, Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So we're not told what the anger of God was, why the anger of the Lord uh, just says it burned against Israel, and it was again. So, you know, we talked about this, I think, a little bit on Wednesday night. God does get mad. Yeah, Sunday. uh, Or Sunday night. Yeah, Yeah. the Lord's anger. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's exactly what happened here. He's mad about something that has gone on, and there's some some ideas, and we'll kind of come back to that, about what what he was angry at. But it says... um, the anger of the Lord uh, burned against Israel, and he incited David against them. Uh, we think about the Lord not really inciting someone to anger. And so if you uh, read in First uh, Chronicles 21.1, and we won't take time to turn over there, but when it says he incited, it says Satan incited David to take a census. Now, you know, there's... This is one of those areas that people wonder why in the world this is a problem. I mean, it's just a matter of counting people, and we do it. You know, we have a U.S. census, and I don't know how accurate it is. Right. I don't know how many people actually, you know, commit to how many people live in their house and those kind of things. But we do take a census and try to get a count for each city and each state and and the entire country. So, you know, for us to look at this, it, it seems as if what is the Point or what is the problem with taking a, a census? Yeah. And so, and it wasn't always, in other words, it wasn't like in the beginning God said, do not ever take a census. I mean, it wasn't to that extreme, but God had made some uh, rules and regulations about that. And in Exodus, we won't take time to read it, but it talked about Moses uh, taking a, a census. And so, but it was at God's command. God had some reason for it at the time so it's not every time that someone took a census there was something wrong with just that in general but there's something wrong here we don't know exactly what it was but I there's a a word and I think I've uh, mentioned it before but I didn't mention the actual word because I'd forgotten what it was but the word is called kashrut it's a, a Jewish word and it means rules without reason and so if you look at the census, we can analyze it all day long and say, what's the problem? I don't understand. Why does God not want him to take a census? We can try to reason that out all day long, but God said, don't do it. 
And I relate it to, I, I've used this example many times when we talk about this, I relate it to the issue of uh, the Jewish people who didn't eat uh, pork. Now, I've heard all kinds of, well, that was because they didn't have the right refrigeration and they didn't have this and they didn't have that. And so that's the reason God said don't eat pork. But in our day and time, obviously, people eat pork. You know, bacon. Yeah, bacon. <laughs> that's the the <laughs> Listen to the Modern favorite. Christian Dads podcast. We talk about bacon on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. And meat quite frequently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I have heard some of that. So, but, uh, so it's a rule without reason. So in other words, if God said don't eat pork, then you didn't need to analyze it. You didn't need to try to figure out why God said that. I mean, we do want to understand, but sometimes God may have a rule and we just need to say, God said so. You know, I don't know whether you've done it, but I think every parent at some point when mm-hmm. their kids said yeah. why, because I said so. I said yep. so. <laughs> and so, uh, and that should be enough because he knows best. Right. And we ought to be able to trust him for that. So a couple uh, things there, Rick, I, I wanted to point out. Number one, my side story is that I don't know if they're all this aggressive, but when I first moved to Carthage, Missouri, I had the U.S. Census lady stop by our house, which I didn't own at the time, which was a duplex. And I felt like I was being scammed, and I didn't know it was like a real census person, so I just blew her off and ignored her. And then she came back repeatedly, like almost every day really? for the next week to 10 days, like in forcing me to take this census. And I tried to like with everything that I could to like not answer the door. And she was relentless. So I don't know if all us census people are that relentless, but I don't know. She clearly was, I was scared. So finally I gave in and I did it. And currently all my money is still in my checking account. And those yeah. kind of things. So I think she's real. <laughs> but the, the second thing uh, spiritually is I, in a notation here in my Bible, uh, there, the study notes I thought was interesting, which I think is a good point to make. When the anger of the Lord, it's not so much about us; it's about His anger at sin. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, I mean, yes, that sin is in us; it's connected to us. But His real anger is not directed at us; it's directed at sin, which drives Him crazy. Yes, and I think we, uh, you know, we think God doesn't like me anymore. Yeah. You know, He's angry at me, but. If we think about it as parents, you know, I've been angry at my kids before, mm-hmm. but it, it, I didn't love them any less than... So we think sometimes when God's anger burns against Israel or whatever, that, you know, he doesn't love them anymore because they've been so bad. Yeah. But his anger is always to, um, to bring somebody back to repentance, to bring yeah. them back to where they should be. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I thought this is just on a, a practical uh, part of this, but when it talked about counting the people, I just have a note here. It says counting the people takes the trust away from God. In other words, David wanted to count how many people do I have? You know, how many people are in my church, in other words. And I don't know, you haven't been mm. in the church your whole life like I have, but when I was growing up, there was always a board on the wall. And I don't know if you've yeah, seen uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> How much money, people and money at times, right? The attendance today, attendance last Sunday, uh, the number of offering or the amount of the offering, and I think maybe missions was on there. And that was posted in the church someplace. Yeah. So you always knew maybe Sunday school attendance and church attendance or whatever it was. So, and and I understand we have to, you know, we have to have some records and some things like that. But um, I think... I think it might have been 
Brother Perkins, when he was here, was talking about this one time that one of his pet peeves was every time he went to a conference, like a pastor's Mm -hmm. retreat or anything like that, and you're talking to people that you don't know. I mean, obviously, if you have friends, you know where they pastor and those kind of things. But when you're talking to people that don't know, one of the prime questions is, how many do you run? Yes. It's, It's so important. How many people do you have in your church? And I, I think they walk away sometimes when the pastor says, uh, well, I only have, you know, I have 30 yep. in my church. And they walk away feeling sorry for him. Oh, you poor thing that you only right. have 30 <laughs> people in your church. I feel so bad for you. And, and you know, we all want our churches to be big. Yep. I mean, we all want people to be saved and the church to be busting at the seams because yep. people are getting saved. And uh, so, it's you know, it's that question, how big is your church and how many do you run? Um, and I, I guess the... You know, the, 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 those they can it become it can become more of a hindrance than a blessing. And just I mean, it's kind of digressing a little bit. But I was connecting with a pastor the other day, not a some guy, not a part of our movement, but a guy that I have profound respect for. That when I hear him talk, and he was sharing a devotional, and I've I've had several devotionals from him, and every time I hear him, I'm like, wow, this guy is great. I mean, I, I'm really blessed. I'm really touched. I'm not saying that for his benefit, but legitimately, I'd say, wow, this guy really hears the voice of the Lord. I mean, right. he really knows how to hear God's voice. But yet, at the same token, he's a guy that uh, can be discouraged because he's a part of a church that is not as bigger as it used to be in its prior years. And those particular people like to continue to drive home that reality right. in their context. Well, you know, we were... You know, this church, we were 150 back in the day. And mm-hmm. that for them, that was like amazing. Right. And now they're 40. And, mm-hmm. but, and it becomes such a hindrance because this guy's like, man, if you would just grab hold of what this guy that God has given you as a leader would grab hold of some things he's communicating to you, you probably could go forward in a greater direction, but you're just stuck on a number. Right. God's blessing is not dependent on numbers. And, and, you know, I think we're all a little, guilty of that. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. we can all say it doesn't matter, <laughs> but I can remember times when uh, Sunday school class was uh, maybe three people came to Sunday school class and you start to get that uh, feeling, is it worth it? Yeah. You know, for three people, or you could look at it on this, on the podcast. You know, what if only two or three people listen to this podcast? Yeah. Is, is it worth all the trouble, you know, <laughs> for those two or three people? So in other words, I guess the question would be, how many do you have to have before it's before it's worth it? Yeah. And and I I talked about this, and I know it's a little different when I'm uh, sitting here with you, but I talk about the fact uh, of how um, I admire your feelings toward this church. You know, we have had some some people who have left the church, but you have made your statement that God called you here, and however many there are here, that's you know that God called you here. And that's the outlook we all should have. Yeah. One of the greatest stories, I still to this day, George Wood, former superintendent of the Sims, general superintendent of the Sims of God, preached a message at my ordination called, Is Your Vision Small Enough? And he talked about that he had three people consistently in a Sunday school class, and he had that same Sunday school teacher kind of growing, all growing up or something like that. I won't tell it accurately, but basically he just talked about how that one teacher invested herself fully in the the life of those three students. Uh, And now he 
George Wood would then become a general superintendent of the Sons of God, uh, which again, numerically was, is a huge level of leadership and influence. Uh, the other guy became a missionary and another one, basically they all became great men of God that had great ministries. Even again, not so much about who touched more lives or who had the greater amount of influence, but number one, they all consistently followed the Lord and they became legitimate followers of Jesus and disciples of Jesus Christ. And number two, they all walked in their God given callings and giftings. Right. And that's what that's what it's about. So he's just like, you know, don't ever look past where God has put you or don't ever look past what God has put in front of you. And so if it's the one, if it's the five, the ten, the fifteen, the twenty, you know, don't look past what God's put in front of you. Just go at what God has given you in a radical way. And I I do think about that as we're kind of on this tangent a little bit here. We can't, we can't, I thought about this, number one, I thought about it in terms of like money in, in the world, because sometimes I listen to entrepreneurial podcasts right. and things like that. I'm like, it's actually not possible for all of us to be millionaires. Like sometimes mm-hmm. when I listen to this successful millionaire entrepreneurs, it's, it's not possible for all of us to run the companies. Right. Some, there's still, at the end of the day, someone's going to have to run the machine. Someone's going to have to sweep the floor. Someone's going to have to be an assistant manager. Someone, you know, right. it's going to we can't all be the CEO, right? We can't. Uh, and then when it comes to church, we can't all have a mega church. It, it's not realistic. Right. It's not possible. And it doesn't really matter either, you know, because it, it's weird and it's all opinionated, but I have one of uh, a mentor of mine who passed away was just a tremendous man of God. And he passed at a church. That's probably the size of grace point, uh, maybe a little smaller, maybe a little bit bigger, mm-hmm. but he did that for 20 years. And that guy to me was a legend and a guy who I'd hung out with and like, how could this guy not have a bigger church? Right. And, well, I, and I couldn't wrap my head around it, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to understand sometimes. And I think, you know, coming back to, to David's story and why the why it was such a problem. I mean, there's lots of things here and we're, we'll look at it. But I, I want to, before we get to that, um, I had the question just written down. What did Israel do to deserve the punishment? And this is not, in other words, it doesn't give you, you know, these five things or whatever in the Scripture that made God mad, that he uh, was, I mean, again, that's the way the first verse started, but uh, there's a belief that it might have been just private transgressions of the people at the time, and, and we don't even think about that in the church today. If we're seeking for revival, seeking to look for bigger numbers in the church, and why isn't that happening? In other words, why is God angry with us right now i mean sometimes you feel that way when the church doesn't do what you feel like it should do sometimes you feel like god is angry like he was here and so then you you begin to ask questions and we forget about the private sins of people that affect the church we think that what you do at home is is your personal relationship with the lord and it doesn't affect the corporate relationship but there's a strong belief that part of it was just you know the lust the pornography the lying, the cheating, the things that aren't visible but can still ruin a mm-hmm. church or at least hold the church back. So God is angry because, and again, how many? Is it one person? Is it five people? Uh, you know, how many people? So there's there's a feeling about that. There was yeah. one of the opinions that because there was a delay in building the temple, that God had basically approved it and he told David he wouldn't do it, but then they hadn't moved on yet. Uh, there's a feeling that it was the... Uh, the people remained silent about David and Bathsheba when they had their sin. The people didn't uh, file a big protest, and I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get <laughs> political, 
but we had the <laughs> same thing uh, a few years ago with president and and um, you know sexual relationships in the White House. Mm-hmm. And you know what? People still I heard people say, "Man, he's a great president." Yeah. So, you know, does God get angry because the people don't rise up? You know, how many things right now? I don't know if we could have prevented legalizing abortion if we'd have rose up stronger. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, could we have prevented some of those? Th- could we have kept Bibles in the school? Could we have kept prayer in the school? You know, I don't know. But maybe we didn't fight hard enough. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, one of the opinions here is that the people just didn't rise up against things, and that's why uh, God was mad so or angry, I guess, in this situation. Yeah. But anyway, verse, we've, we've covered one whole verse there. This is just like the real Sunday yeah. school class. So. Well, we went on our first real tangent, I think, together yeah. in the yes. verse by verse. <laughs> yes. Okay, back to verse 2. So the king said to Joab and to the army commanders with him, Go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enroll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. All that means of Dan to Beersheba, we hear that. If you read the Bible a lot or hear sermons, you'll hear that. It just has to do with uh, the north to the south, the complete area. Um, and the King James, I, I always read out of NIV when I'm in here. But the King James says, And number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. In other words, David said, I want to know. It wasn't about God saying, giving David direction, but David wanted to know whether it was uh, pride, you know, curiosity as to, well, I wonder how many I've got. I wonder how many people. And they said that this was a different census because a normal census you would take for determining how many fighting men you had. But they said this was a census that would include everyone, and it was even more, you know, before you would just go around and say, okay, how many guys are between the age of, whatever, 18 and 26 for the Army? Might have been different numbers. I don't know what those numbers are, but, uh, you know, how many guys are in that, that category? And so that would be the type of census you would take. But this was more of a thorough census where they he wanted to know, the names, the date of birth, the address, how many kids you got, you know, the whole kind of like the census now, you know, to gather mm-hmm. numbers. And so uh, it was more about pleasing himself. Look how many I've got. Look how many my church has. You know, look at, I, I run this many in church. Yeah. And, and like it's, you know, that is totally a God thing. I know a pastor has... Uh, and I, you know, and I do relate David to being the pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he was the leader. The kings of yeah. those times—that's the best example we have of the treatment of a pastor in the Old Testament—is the treatment of a king. Hmm. And so, you know, you can relate it to that. But, um, but I don't—I know some of it's dependent on a pastor. But most of the time, it's a move of God. You can't brag that I did this and I did this because God moves with people that I remember, and, I, and I'm not, again, throwing anybody under the bus or whatever we talk about on here, but uh, John Kilpatrick, you know, the biggest move of God that this nation has seen in I don't know how many years, and I heard him, I went to a conference one time, and I heard him speak, and I thought, man, the he's just... Brownsville yeah. pastor? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought, he's just kind of normal, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I yeah. guess I expected this great... <laughs> prophetic word from God and it was almost like you know 
five yeah. steps to being a Christian kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, it's like that was just God decided that it was time for that yep. move to happen. And then I hear people say, well, it was because if you ask them, what's your secret? Well, we prayed. Well, do you think there's no other church in the United States right, that, that prayed prays, for revival? Right. <laughs> so uh, when God decides to move, he'll decide to move. But David decided that I want to know uh, so I will know the numbers, not so that God can uh, be glorified or whatever in this. Verse 3, But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over, and may the eyes of the Lord the king see it. But why does my Lord the king want to do such a thing? What he's saying is, you know, you've got it good, David. <laughs> you've got plenty of guys. And may the Lord multiply the army, and may you be blessed, and may you live long enough to see all this. So this Joab, and Joab's not even really known as a spiritual man. He's not a prophet. Hmm. He's, the, he's the leader of the war, of the soldiers. And so, but he even knows in this scenario, he's like, don't do this, David. Yeah. This is not right. Hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes even, again, if you want to relate it to a pastor, a pastor can uh, get good advice from somebody who's not even spiritual. Yeah. You know, Uh, I know you talk about reading uh, entrepreneurs and things just because of information. You're not looking for spiritual guidance necessarily. mm -hmm. But you can get good advice from people who don't (laughs) serve the Lord. Right, yep, absolutely. So uh, in, in 1 Chronicles, and again, we've mentioned before, Chronicles is the... Uh, more, it's more into numbers and things than what Samuel is, but it's a lot of the same stories. But in First Chronicles twenty-one three, it says, "But Joab replied." In other words, with with this situation, Joab replied, "May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over, my lord the king. Are they not all thy lord, my lord's servants? Why does my lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel?" So there's plenty of wisdom in Joab. And hmm. David is not willing to, to listen. Uh, he knew, again, not even being a spiritual man, he knew that this was not the right thing to do. And, you know, you still say, well, but, but what is David's sin in yeah. all of this? Well, it's really a sin of, of pride. It's a little bit of a sin of worrying. In other words, David had come out of a rebellion against him where he had to flee from Israel. Mm-hmm. And so part of this is uh, they believe part of it has to do with him worrying that his subjects are going to desert him again. He's going to have another rebellion again. Uh, again, it would be like a pastor if uh, if you had a church split, and then he's sitting around all the time worried, well, what if, what if it happens again? What if it happens again? Yeah. And so as great a That's man a as David point. was, you know, he still was, was human and still had his— worries and as king decided he wasn't listening to anybody else right i think and i think there's a danger i'm trying to connect the dots here what you're saying in terms of practically you know uh, sometimes no, no matter how spiritual you are or no matter how greatly god moves through your life you still have to maintain this openness this teachableness this you know it'd be someone he's dead now but billy graham we could say oh my goodness he had such a big ministry, everything that he says must be right. followed. Right. And it'd be like, well, no, he's actually a guy mm-hmm. God has moved through, but 
even through all of what God has already done through him, he still might not always be right. Right. And he still needs accountability. He still needs people to speak wisdom and truth into his life. Right. And I think as as Christians, and especially when you've been in the church a long time, I don't know that anybody's necessarily, you know, like come to me face to face to rebuke me or correct me or whatever. But what I find myself doing, and I have to be careful, is if somebody does say something that uh, feels like it's uh, a a correction for me, <laughs> I begin I get defensive. You know, it's well, I didn't really mean it that way, or I didn't. I you know I know that, but what about this? And you know, instead of just saying, you know what, you're right, I I overstepped my bounds, or I said the wrong thing or I responded the wrong way, but man, we just get so defensive. Yeah. We're like politicians, <laughs> you know, trying to defend everything. Uh, so um verse four, the king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders, so they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. So, you know, David is the king. He does have the final say. He doesn't have to have the approval of the Republicans or the Democrats or uh, anybody else there, his word, and and that's why, you know, he was so, it was more important for him to be in contact with God yeah. over things because he had nobody else. Somebody could come, like Joab, and suggest, but if David said do it, then you, yeah. you better do it. And, and I've thought, uh, again, I think about that in terms of uh, the pastor and the deacons, you know, there's nothing wrong uh, with sitting in a board meeting and having a discussion and looking at all the yeah. ins and outs. And <laughs> But, you know, if the pastor says, you know, I've, I've prayed about this and I feel like this is the right direction, I believe the board, you know, and again, you can't just agree right. yep. with everything. Well, he's the <laughs> pastor, so he gets to do what he wants to do. Uh, there's moral issues. There's all kinds of issues. But for the most part, generally speaking, and I think even on the uh, descriptions of a deacon in the church, it doesn't say to keep the pastor in line. It doesn't say so that we can have a three to two vote or anything. <laughs> it says the deacon is to, ser- uh, to uh, serve in a supporting role to the pastor. That is a deacon's responsibility. And so if the pastor wants to do something, then the deacon should try to support that after they've looked at all the facts. And, you know, maybe you look at all the facts and the pastor says, well, I never thought about that. It, it could very well be. But yeah. David was adamant, even though they all knew right. it was the wrong thing. Yeah. David was adamant that he was going to have his way. Very, you got to be, uh, from a pastor's perspective, you got to be careful when you lay down that God card, you know, that uh, it is God. And that's, I, I would like to think that of failures and successes that one a good thing I've done I've never really I don't think maybe once twice at the most threw down that God card because I think sometimes that can be you know go to that extreme too God told me and it's it's really not it's just pride selfishness Mm -hmm. you're trying to push so hard to get something and that can go in a a bad direction dangerous words thus saith the Lord are dangerous words (laughs) you better have had it written on the wall and uh, everything else, if you're going to say, thus saith the Lord. So um, 24-5, after crossing the Jordan, they camped near Aor, south of the town in the gorge, and then went through Gad and on to Jazir. Uh, this is, they've taken the army with them. I mean, obviously, it's assistance. 
uh, probably to fight down a rebellion if there's a rebellion against this. And, and, you know, not just, you think about these conversations, Joab and David were having this conversation about the census, but also the people had to know what the rules were. Mm-hmm. So when they started knocking on the door, uh, I know you were talking about not wanting to answer the door or whatever, but when <laughs> they began to knock on the door, they could open the door, and when they said, we're taking a census, they could say, why are we taking That's not God. God said, don't do this. So there could have been, and that's why they believe part of this happened and why God's anger was so strong, because nobody fought it. Everybody just basically answered their door, answered the questions, and moved yeah. on. Wow. And so uh, there wasn't any fight against it. Now, uh, talking about all these different towns, where they went, and uh, and and these are opinions, but historians, you know, study a lot of these things. But uh, they believe these first places that they went, uh, the people of, of God there were mighty warriors. And so Joab, even though he goes to do what David said to do, he knows it's not right. He'd like for it to come to an end. And he knows God's anger is going to burn. So I I think, and, and a lot of historians think that Joab was doing everything he could to prevent this thing from happening. Maybe David will get tired of it and stop before God's wrath comes against him. So if they go where these mighty warriors, maybe they'll resist and he can go back and tell David and maybe David will say, well, okay, we, maybe we better leave this alone. Maybe David will have second thoughts. Mm-hmm. But uh, So Joab, I, I believe, is really doing what he can. They even say that they... Uh, counted the lowest populated places first. So, uh, you know, again, if you were doing a census of the churches, it'd be like, well, um, you know, we'll count these little churches first so it doesn't seem like our denomination. Well, it'd be the other way around. We'll count these big churches, and then we'll say, well, the average Assembly of God church is this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? But since Joab didn't want it to happen, he's going to say, let's count the low populated. Maybe David will get discouraged. <laughs> so in this case... The the leader of the military is the more spiritual man than the king, who's supposed to be the man after God's own heart. Yeah. So um, I don't know where we are on time. Let's knock out one more. 24-6. They went to Gilead and the region of uh, Tatim, Hadshi, and on to Dan Joan, and around to Sidon. Uh, the people of Dan were idolaters, and so... Uh, they believe Joab maybe thought because they were idolaters, uh, they would be against this, and so they would object to it, but no one stood against it. And there's a uh, interesting verse 24 says, and Israel was, and one of the versions says, as she was, and they, they almost call that a slam, saying as she was, meaning no one was man enough to stand up against David and, and this. Wow. Uh, you know, and it's one thing to stand for the king. We're told to do that, but not when he violates God's law. You yeah, know, God's law is first, the king's law is second. So, uh, you know, we can say, well, they had to do it because the king said so. Uh, we don't have to follow man's laws if they violate yeah. God's laws. And so they believe that's part of what Joab was trying to do was to do everything he could uh, to find people who would stand up against this so that he wouldn't, uh, have to actually go through with it and could protect the people from uh, violating God's law in these situations. So interesting when you know that discernment of of when we 
you know, vice versa in the context of local church today of, of when we, if we have a leader, uh, you know, that maybe isn't moving us in the right direction, how do we in wisdom in unity, make sure to do that appropriately, you know, as a, as a primary leader, as a pastor, how do I make, you know, making sure that I'm moving, uh, the people I've leadership over in the right direction and making sure that I'm staying open that, okay, Jeremiah, is this a, is this a you thing? Is this a God thing? A lot of interesting things to munch on there. Yes, there is. And I, I've, I've always said, I don't know that I would want to be, I love teaching and doing these things, but the responsibility of a, of a pastor, you know, leading people. And I know you don't walk around all the time saying, thus saith the Lord, but you know, you're responsible for the church. When, uh, when things happen, the pastor will, uh, the Bible tells us that when you're given much, much is required. And so it is a, uh, I would think, a hard thing to be able to come before people and say, I really feel like God spoke here, that this mm-hmm. is what we're supposed to do. I heard uh, Henry Blackaby wrote a book called Experiencing God. Yeah. And one of the th- questions in there, he talks a lot about finding God's will and, and when they were building church and money involved and all those kind of different things. And somebody asked him one time they, when they were talking about the people voting on different things, and he, they asked him, they said, do you have to have 100%? And he said, no, I don't have 100% to move on with something because there's going to be a percentage of people who aren't praying about it. There's going to be a percentage of mm. people who don't know how to hear from God, who yeah. are going <laughs> to act on emotion. So he said, you have to take that in consideration. If you're always waiting for a 100% vote, it may not ever happen. Yeah, wow. And so uh, so there is, you know, there is a, a great uh, responsibility, but I think when people's hearts are right, and they want what God wants, and you know that's the direction, mm-hmm. then I think you can trust the will of God in those lives. Exactly. What's going to happen next? I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm, I want to read it. I want to keep going to figure out what happens in this story. We're grateful that you've listened to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Keep listening, liking, subscribing, applauding, and all those kind of things. We want you to stay connected. We want to keep speaking into your life so that you can daily walk with Christ each and every day. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.